G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Good, thanks, Rowan, and good to hear your voice holding up. Absolutely. Well, we're back for another week, and no, look, we must admit, we're giving everyone a little bit of a peek behind the curtain today. So we are recording two podcasts on one day, and unfortunately, I still sound like I've swallowed a hamster. So I've been yelling too much at the football. Oh, I've done about that, Dad, done about that. So, of course, a week down the road, we don't know what's happening on the weekend, Dad. I don't know if we want to talk about football at the moment, so we might move on quickly and get into today's episode, which I am looking forward to. And we've called today's episode Mentors and Our Mental Health. So, Dad, what are we going to be talking about today? Okay, well, in our last podcast on the effectiveness of therapy... We talked about how it's not the therapy approach so much or the techniques that make a difference, but the relationship between the therapist and the client. Well, that raises the question, there are other ways that we can have other types of relationships or other types of confidential relationships and conversations where we can benefit in maybe some overlapping ways with therapy without seeing a therapist because As we know, many people are finding it very hard to access therapists. Many psychology practices have waiting lists. Many have closed their books. So that further raises the question, what are some other ways that people can go about improving their mental health without seeking therapy? And when you think about it, it isn't just when therapy isn't so accessible or available necessarily. These are things that maybe make a difference all the time. And if we have access to to a mentor, that's a special kind of confidential relationship that has, I believe, many overlapping benefits with effective therapy. Well, I think it's interesting, Dad, you know, if you read the maybe the papers at the moment and maybe listen to a few journalists who talk about mental health and it's maybe a bit of a notion at the moment that because there's not as many appointments available... You know, it's a little bit like there's nothing we can do in terms of, you know, they go, oh, we've got to throw this much government money at mental health and these are the things that we've got to do and sort of thing like, yeah, that, that might be part of it. But I think there's maybe some more emphasis that we can place on the resources that everyone has available at the moment. Like maybe psychology appointments are scarce, but I think we worked out a little bit last week, like it certainly struck me anyway, that there are things that we can take from a, a therapy relationship and I think we can apply that to many of our other relationships too. And uh, no, you and I have both got benefits from having a mentor over the time and having different mentors. And, and so I think that having a mentor can maybe not even necessarily take the place of a therapist, but it can give a whole other arm to the resources that you have at your disposal. Yes, and there's another background issue here. There's a lot of extra money these days that governments are spending on mental health but there's not necessarily so much of an improvement in people's mental health and happiness in terms of the incidence of depression and suicidality or self-harm. Now, we know also that maybe life has got more complex in some ways. There might be more choices and demands that many people face to adapt in different ways. So I think life is a bit more complicated than a generation or two, which is relevant there. We've also had COVID over the last couple of years. But maybe there's something else. Maybe the way we look at mental health and mental health interventions is not just, say, overly focused on medication as one area, like antidepressant medication, which I believe there's too much focus on that, But I think there might even be too much focus on things like 
individual therapies as being just the way that people might improve their mental health. A lot of our psychological therapies are quite individually delivered and there are a lot of benefits to tailoring that to a particular person, to a particular client. But by the same token, human beings are social animals. So maybe a lot of where we get the most benefit is around the quality of our connection with other people. And last week we talked about some of the aspects of a therapy relationship and some of the characteristics of an effective therapist as well, like warmth and empathy, different aspects. Well, maybe following on from the improvement in there being less stigma about mental health kind of challenges or problems, maybe... If people are more open to being vulnerable these days than previous generations, more prepared to acknowledge if they're facing some struggle or challenge, well, maybe there's more that we can do in seeking out particular types of confidence or one particular kind of relationship like that is a mentor relationship where we can gain something extra from talking with a trusted other person who has some extra if you like, understanding or knowledge than the norm and who we feel that we can make a particular connection with. So we're looking to expand upon the range of ways we can consider getting benefit from conversations with someone other than it being a formal therapist. Which I think that is a, you know, in many ways it's an encouraging thing that, you know, I think there is maybe this bit of a notion that for psychological issues, you know, if you have this external fix whether it be a psychologist appointment or whether it be antidepressants or whatever it is you know maybe go on a holiday you know I think I can relate to this sense of feeling when I was maybe a bit younger of you know if only this changed then everything else would sort of fall in behind it but what this gives me a sense of is that hold on it's not as if we have to wait for that external fix to come around and you know there's going to be a whole range of variables as to the timing of that but this sort of stuff is something that we can almost go on with a little bit ourselves in the meantime. Like we can, I suppose, contribute to our positive mental health without having to wait for, I suppose, that external aid in a way. Yes, and as we talked about last week as well, even when people see a therapist, a therapist isn't going to have any kind of magic wand. And so a whole lot of people gaining benefit for their mental health is somehow gaining some extra understanding that also relates to what people do, how they can take action, that sense of agency, people learning ways that they can influence their current circumstances and their future. Well, Many of us will have had some kind of benefit from talking with a mentor in that way, considering our current circumstances, things that we're struggling with, what directions we might go in. So yes, we're highlighting that possibility as a way forward. Well, let's get into it, Dad, because I find this just absolutely fascinating. And we're going to take a little bit of a trip back to one of my favourite places, ancient Greece, Dad, because of course the Greeks is the genius philosophers that they were had a look at some of this sort of stuff and gave us the word mentor in the first place and I think it's very interesting where the term mentor came from because to me anyway it gives a bit of a sense of what the idea of a mentor really is but came from the Odyssey Homer's epic poem the Odyssey in which Odysseus who was the king of Ithaca basically he left away to go to the Trojan War so you know the, the one with the bunny that we know about but of course, after the Trojan War, he takes 10 years to return home. So he's been away for 20 years. And while he was away, he left his son basically in the care of his elderly friend by the name of Mentor. So someone who he obviously trusted and 
So he left him away. And so he goes away for 20 years and mentors let him down big time. He was, he was not a great teacher, old mentor. And so poor Telemarchus, by the time his dad gets back from being away, he was insecure, indecisive and unconfident in his ability to claim his birthright. So basically, you know, he's, he's the heir to the throne and poor Telemarchus is thinking, oh, how am I going to be the one to take over the kingdom here? And so what happened was basically Odysseus returns home and he sees, you know, this, this havoc that's playing out before him. His son's, you know, not the developed person that he was hoping he, was, he would be. His friend mentor has not taught him in the way that he wanted to. And so what happens is the goddess Athena, who's the goddess of wisdom, shapeshifts into a wise version of mentor. And so with mentor's guidance with the goddess Athena, Telemachus was able to, basically able to establish his claim and authority to the throne. So Odysseus finally gets back to Ithaca and, you know, they all live happily ever after. But the notion from this story is that, you know, mentors, this fellow is supposed to be the teacher to the son, but it's only when the goddess of wisdom embodies the teacher and you know, gives direction to Telemachus, the son says, you know, these are the things that you've got to do. It's only then that Telemachus is able to, I suppose, learn from that relationship and he's able to kind of positively progress with the things that he needs to do and, you know, tick all these boxes to basically take the rightful place at king. But what I found so fascinating about that was this notion of the intervention of the goddess of wisdom. It almost implies that in a mentor relationship, there's this extra notion of imparting wisdom it's not as if it's this, I suppose, confidant notion of someone who we could just trust and tell things to. Like it really does have this implication of maybe some guidance, maybe some assistance based on someone's own set of experiences. Like there maybe is this kind of sense of advice. Maybe it's not so explicit. Maybe it's more in a, a guiding or a challenging sort of sense. But I just found it so interesting that... The Greeks, you know, they play with these kind of philosophical concepts and it's so interesting. But in this case, you know, it seems that the idea of wisdom and maybe imparting wisdom seems to be a central point to the idea of the mentor. It's not as if it's just about having someone to talk to. It actually is about receiving wisdom, receiving guidance and having some idea of a way forward based on that relationship. Yes, fascinating, and I'd never heard about the origins of the word mentor, and there's so much wisdom in Greek myths. But it's a bit of a sad story that the original mentor was a bit of a dud mentor. <laughs> and I suppose that gets across the theme that just like last time, there can be more or less effective therapists, depending on different characteristics. There can be more or less effective mentors, and maybe some of those characteristics that differentiate more effective or less effective mentors overlap somewhat. And maybe if we're aware of that, what makes a difference in the characteristics of a more helpful mentor for us, someone who might be a match for us, then that might help us seek out or be somewhat discerning or make a choice that suits us if we do seek a mentor. Well, let's maybe get into what some of those characteristics are, because I think it's quite interesting. And I suppose the first question that comes to mind for me there, and you know, it goes a little bit to what you were saying there in terms of wanting someone with the experience and all this sort of stuff, like, do you think it's better to have a mentor who, for example, would have had a very similar set of life experiences to us and can almost look at our situation, recognise where we're at, maybe show us a path forward based on maybe their own experience, 
Or do you think it's more beneficial to maybe have a mentor who has maybe a different set of experiences, may not necessarily be able to understand exactly where you're at at a particular time, but at the same time, they might have some different solutions. They might have a few different ways of looking at things. What would be the most beneficial in terms of, is it best to have someone who's potentially a a few steps ahead or someone who's potentially down a slightly different track, but can give us maybe some fresh ideas too? Okay, well, there may be some advantages and disadvantages of people being, in a sense, more similar to us in ways that we might relate to, more different for us in some ways, so it can stretch ourselves. But what we know about therapists, and this probably applies to mentors as well, it's not so important how old they are. It's not so important what their gender is. It's not even so important what their personality type is. That's not the most important thing. Funnily enough, for therapists as well, it's not so important what their training is. Now, with a mentor, sometimes we talk about a mentor in a certain professional or technical area, and then the person needs to have a certain level of expertise that way. But when we're talking about life issues or talking about personal challenges and having a mentor that way, who I suppose in some ways what they can offer us overlaps a bit with a life coach in some ways, but maybe in a very reflective kind of way, it can help if there's some differences as well. If people have different age, gender, personality characteristics, cultural background in some ways, but different experiences from us, then that actually can help us have a somewhat different perspective. Otherwise, we can get caught up in being a bit samey, a bit looking for people who are just going to reinforce our own point of view, there's something good about being stretched. And if we see a mentor who has a number of differences from us, as well as some of that wisdom that we're after, some of that wisdom or knowledge or experience or something extra that's implied by the idea of a mentor, but I think that having some differences can really help. Well, I think that's so true. And, you know, I think like the answer to most questions in psychology, I think the answer is, you know, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, it's all a little bit grey. But I think that idea of, of having someone who is slightly different to you in a way, like that does add something else too, in terms of obviously, you know, you want someone who's got a little bit of a sense of where you're at and where you're going. Like, you know, I, I like that idea of, you know, I, I'll, I've heard it described sometimes as, you know, you can't be what you can't see. But almost like that idea of you can't achieve what you can't perceive because you don't necessarily need the uh, explicit example in front of you. But I think, you know, like I'll, I'll look back at, you know, some of my own experiences and relationships and stuff. And like for me anyway, particularly when people are maybe of a different, obviously age group, but, you know, particularly say, say women or people from a different cultural background, like you can realise how, I suppose, biased your thinking is in a way and how many, I suppose, rigid interpretations you've developed. And it seems to me that that through conversations with someone who is a little bit different in terms of their life experience, background, set of perspectives on certain things, like so often without them even realising it, they'll just present a perspective that completely unlocks something in your head and you go, gee, that was a bit of a blind spot for me there. So, like, it seems to me that, you know, if we all just had people who were you know, exactly ahead of us down the road, you know, maybe we go back to the 1600s and, you know, we're just doing what our dad did and our granddad did and they can just show us their way of doing things. Like, I think there's a richness in maybe being able to draw on more than just maybe someone who's done the exact same thing that we have. Yes, and so when we think about what's going to make the biggest difference 
it's going to still come back to that notion of being understood. But if someone comes from a different background to us in some ways or has different characteristics, but they still are able to get us and when we talk about something, they get it. These are also the kind of things that people benefit from from seeing a therapist as they say, when there's a good match there, you express whatever you might to a therapist, they get it and they get you. Feeling understood, feeling accepted, a lot of it's going to come back to that. And then we are after some kind of extra knowledge or wisdom of whatever sort, that'll often come from life experience. Or it'll come from some other kind of experiences that the person has had or some other kind of understanding that they've gained. But a whole lot of what we gain for from a mentor and what they offer us, that wisdom has generally come from their distilled life experience. Well, that notion that, you know, they get it. Like, it's such an interesting one. It's such an ambiguous term. But I think, you know, everyone has a bit of a sense of exactly what that means. But... Dad, what are some of the other characteristics of a good mentor? Like we spoke about how they don't necessarily have to be the same gender, same cultural background. What are some of the things that would be worth bearing in mind when we are looking for a mentor? Yes, well, when we talk about these characteristics of a helpful mentor, I hope that our listeners can reflect on what kind of conversations have they had in the past or what kind of support has been most helpful to them? Has there been maybe an extended family friend or it might have been a teacher or a coach or someone that they met that they struck up a relationship with, a near neighbour, someone who had something extra that they could offer them in some way. And fortunately, when I reflect on these characteristics of a helpful mentor that overlap with helpful therapists, I'm really appreciative of being able to think of my own mentor family friend and I refer to him as a mentor, my friend Ross, who is very wise and who I've known for the last 30 years and we've met every month or two and talked about a whole range of different things. And it's wonderful even as a therapist to be able to have someone that you can talk to that you feel you can trust so much, who's so understanding and so helpful. And these are the things I find so beneficial, but they also apply, I think, to any really effective mentor relationship and the first thing is you've got to feel as though the person has your interests at heart that again they're really interested in you as a person and that's reflected when you have conversations the person's engaged they're also curious they'll ask you questions in different ways because they're deeply interested in you as a person and maybe what makes you tick or how you tend to see things it's partly what we referred to earlier in the earlier podcast about mentalising someone who can appreciate your thoughts and feelings and intentions, someone who has those characteristics that help for that. And that usually means someone who's quite accepting, someone who's quite empathic, and that means accepting also, dare I say, some of the weaknesses in us that might come across or failures if you like we might say something that's gone poorly and yet the person will still be accepting us and not judging us not even necessarily seeing it as a failure how it's gone they might see it as a kind of life experience that we can learn from in some way but they're also hopeful they're optimistic for us so after you've spoken to a mentor you feel a little bit equipped to deal with the future in some kind of way or you've got that acceptance that helps you manage with circumstances as they are that hope is important certainly empathy being part of that but it also helps if the person is somewhat insightful 
And what that means is that they can bring some extra perspective to the situation than maybe we can come up with ourselves or we're likely to get from maybe a close friend or next-door neighbour or even a family member that there's something extra that that person can offer us based on a certain kind of understanding or life experience, adding another perspective. It also helps if the person has a degree of humility, and we know that's true for therapists as well. It's not like a therapist is going to know everything that's best for a person regardless of how much training they've done or what experience they have. So some humility. And that the person's not just in a position to give advice, that the mentor's looking to help us figure out things for ourselves. So there might be reflective conversations, not just some straight answer coming of what we should do, Certainly no magic wand. A person who's prepared to sit with us in our discomfort about something, they can still see the good in us. And I'd add one final thing with that too that also applies to effective therapists. Someone who can challenge or stretch us in some way. Someone who's not going to just go along and agree with everything that we say or just nod to everything and and as though everything that we're coming up with is, is just fine. Someone who's prepared to say if something stands out that they have a question about or they feel like challenging us on in some way or they wonder if we've thought about this or, or whether something we've said doesn't seem quite so consistent with something else we've said before or something about our interests or values in some way. Someone who's prepared to challenge or stretch us in some way because that means that we're more likely to be reflective. We're more likely to be somewhat open, reflect on our own reactions and behaviour and consider other ways about going about things than what might first come in our head. Well, it's interesting as you describe that there, like it, it seems to highlight to me maybe the difference again between a confidant in terms of, you know, it's, it's a little bit maybe more than just someone that we can sort of divulge stuff to. Like there's a little bit more than just, you know, putting stuff out there. Like that absolutely has its value and there's, there's great things about a confidant, but it seems to me there's maybe a, a little bit of an extra element of being a mentor. And when you were describing that, Dad, it reminded me of something I saw recently and it was actually a golf video. <laughs> It was involving Tiger Woods and another guy, Colin Morikawa, who's a brilliant golfer, but he's a fair bit younger. And it's really interesting. They were both, you know, on the driving range together and someone said to Colin Morikawa, the younger player, you know, when, you're, when you have the opportunity to be on the driving range next to Tiger Woods, you know, best golfer of all time, what are the questions that you ask him? You know, I think at your level, like you're a very good golfer yourself, but what are the questions that you were asked to get that extra you know, a couple of percent that he possesses or whatever. And it was really interesting because he said, I don't really ask him too many questions. I observe and then I clarify things with him. So I say, oh, like, are you doing this here or, or this there? And I suppose what that kind of suggested to me was, like, Colin Murakawa, he's, he's going to look at Tiger Woods as a bit of a mentor in terms of, you know, he's the best golfer of all time. But in that little interaction in terms of, oh, I don't necessarily just sit and pick his brain and ask him questions, it's more that I sort of clarify certain things after observing. Like it suggests to me that there's a few elements in sort of what Colin's done in that situation. He's, so he's parked his ego. So, you know, he's not going to come and tell Tiger Woods what to do on the range. But what he's sort of done in that is recognise that he could learn something in that situation. He could recognise that, you know, he's not going to go in and try and impart his wisdom if he almost just sits back and observes, then he's going to get more out of that than if he was to go in there and say, oh, this is how I do things, Tiger. 
But then what he's done is clearly in his and Tiger's relationship, he's opened up the communication enough to be able to go, oh, I don't necessarily do things that way. Or like, what's that thing over there? And I'm sure Tiger would then say, you know, I do this for this reason. Like, it seems to me that it was, it was just such a distilled, almost kind of interaction of like a mentor and sort of mentee or protege relationship in terms of like Colin Morikawa would have known that Tiger is the better player overall out of those two people. Colin would probably have him now. But at the same time, he was able to kind of go, hold on, I'm, I'm potentially going to learn something from this situation. And then he did basically everything he could to extract that information from Tiger. But then they had to have the relationship in the first place for him to be able to clarify certain things. And, you know, these guys are competitors. So, so potentially there'd be a little bit of a hesitation from Tiger to go, these are my secret 11 herbs and spices, mate. I don't necessarily want to just give them away to you. You know, I'm going to be coming up against potentially on the final day of a big tournament. But it was just that, yeah, in that interaction, it was just such an almost pure, almost, yeah, form of like a sort of mentor relationship where there was just no ego involved from obviously either player, but certainly Colin Morikawa, I just, I, I certainly got a lot out of the way that he approached that situation, recognising that he had something to learn and what he did to then extract that from that person. Yes, and there's so much in that about what people can get from a mentor relationship, from both sides of the equation, both the mentor and the mentee can always be learning. And that's one of the things that's helpful about humility as well and accepting that we can be vulnerable. That's a key kind of thing for people to get more benefit from conversations with someone else, a trusted person about any kind of life experience, to allow oneself to be vulnerable and look to be able to express openly and honestly how you see things and then have that other person check and ask questions. Any relationship based on really effective communication is likely to have a lot of questions and back and forth discussion because, well, as human beings, we're complex. It's complex enough about how to perform a golf swing. That much more complex, again, maybe to look at what's deeper levels of our consciousness or psyche in different ways, if you like. So that's very complicated kind of thing. And, and acknowledging that means that we're going to be exploring and asking questions and clarifying and in the context of human relationships and understanding ourselves and other people we do use that term mentalization that we had that podcast on a few episodes ago that notion of looking to discern our own and other people's thoughts feelings and intentions reflecting on that but that's not just a straightforward thing because we can have mixed feelings we can have conflicting kind of motives or intentions some more conscious some less conscious some influenced a lot by things that have happened a long time ago or things that we might not have in mind we can have reactions triggered in different ways we can be influenced by different cultural influences that are so close to us that we actually haven't recognized how much we're influenced by those things we're influenced greatly by our peer group peer groups in ways that we're not always conscious of so we're pretty complex beings and there's always value in drawing on more than one perspective, multiple perspectives. If we choose a mentor, then likely we're being a bit discerning of someone we trust to have our interests at heart and having a particular capacity or interest to understand us. That's where it starts off. But even then, it's a process process. 
It's a conversation, lots of checking back and forth with an honesty with each other and an openness for each person to learn. Well, absolutely, Dad. And, it, you know, it's interesting as you were describing that there, like what stuck out to me, uh, of all things, this is probably a slight deficiency on my part, but I was just thinking about, you know, golf's actually a pretty good metaphor for some of this stuff because they have a saying in golf that the feel is not real in terms of, you know, your coach says to you, change your swing, we need to get your hands a little bit closer to your body. Like you'll feel like your hands are a foot closer to your body and you look it back on a video replay or something, it's only a, an inch away. And so I suppose that's part of the role of the mentor as well is to sort of say to people, hold on, it's almost putting yourself in that person's shoes to kind of go, all right, this is, might be what it kind of feels like in your situation, but at the same time, maybe this is potentially something that could help you calibrate with the reel a little bit more so you'd think the PGA was just on or something dad I'm uh, in a bit of golf mood at the moment but I suppose just one final thought from me and I can't remember where I heard it but I, I suppose it's kind of it's rammed home the importance of this sort of stuff in the last couple of episodes but heard one time you know it's always worth having a mentor and it's always worth having a protege or a mentee and like to me that just gets across that idea of like it's it's really worth at times parking your ego and seeking out someone who potentially has a little bit more wisdom in a particular area. You could be a mentor for them in another area if you needed to. But that idea of finding someone who can give you that, I suppose, wise insight. And then on the other hand, if there are people who you can go out of your way, you know, a little bit, you don't have to break your back sort of thing. But if you do have, you know, maybe some extra time on your hands or you know you're interested in, in that sort of thing like maybe it is worth seeking out someone who maybe is a little bit younger than you or has a little bit of less experience in a particular area and yeah like it just seems that both sides of the mentor relationship the therapy relationship like I think engaging in these sorts of relationships for mental health or for mental wet luck like just in pursuit of going about our life in a good kind of way that I think all this stuff's worth looking into. Yes, and so really the deeper thing we're talking about here partly is about social support. It's about how, again, we're all social animals. Our social connections are really important to us, a main part of our quality of life, and we can draw benefit from that. So when it boils down to it, therapy settings are one particular type of social support. It's a form of social support that's more structured, where the therapist does have that aspect of a mentor, some extra understanding or experience or hopefully a level of wisdom and certainly training can be part of that. But it's a structured setting to help the person, if you like, deliver that kind of help in a more reliable way. But there are other ways that we can draw on some of the benefits that would come from a therapy relationship, which is more often about feeling understood and being able to reflect on ourselves and having that kind of support than just the therapy techniques itself. We might get some of that from confidence as well. It's a matter of looking more broadly and how can we make the most of those kind of relationships. Well, if we've been discerning in finding someone who gets us and gets it looking to be open and honest in our communication in a way that can help us have a deeper conversation about something that really affects us. Oh, well, absolutely, Dad. That's a good place to, uh, to finish up for today. And thank you for chatting with me about all this today. It's been a good couple of episodes. As I said, when we first started chatting about this, I wasn't necessarily sure of if it would be as relevant as maybe some of the previous episodes. But 
same time, I think it'll it'll compel me to maybe get in touch with a few people who I haven't for a little while and just say, oh, what you know, what do you got for me? What's going on? Let's let's get some of that wisdom. But uh, <laughs> thanks so much for chatting with me about all this today, Dad. I very much look forward to the next one. Look forward to the next time, Rowan.